Hello, everyone, and welcome to AC23, your weekly issue of arts and culture from within the Capital Region. My name is Chancellor Zero Skidmore. My producer is Jeremy Porcini. You can stream this episode and previous episodes at the Arts Council's website, www.artsbr.org. You can even go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to it. Give it five stars and listen to it whenever and however you like. I'm starting my arts calendar highlights with a retraction. Last week, I announced that Poncho Sanchez was coming to Baton Rouge on April 21st. Sadly, that show has been canceled. Due to unforeseen circumstances, the artist has elected not to do the show at this time. I have been told that the Arts Council will definitely look into booking Mr. Sanchez for the series next year. So next up in that River City Jazz Masters concert series is Delfeo Marcellus and his Uptown Jazz Orchestra. They will be here on May 13th, treating us to some big band New Orleans swing. The Alvin Batiste Hall of Distinction Award ceremony will precede that performance. So get your tickets at manshiptheater.org. The exhibit entitled Evicted is still on display at the Firehouse Gallery in Baton Rouge. Its overall theme is poverty in America. It's a collection of photography, graphic art, film clips, text, and interactive displays that respond to the extremely common practice of low-income renter eviction. It's breathtakingly unique and urgently informative. The exhibit is up until May 28th at the Firehouse Gallery. That's at 427 Laurel Street. Admission is free, but you do have to register online so the number of people simultaneously in the building can be moderated. Register at artsbr.org. Also, out in Livingston Parish, the city of Walker, to be exact, they're having their first annual spring festival. It will showcase performances by several musical acts, a car show, a farmer's market, and a plethora of food and crafts vendors. It's happening April 23rd through 25th. Drive on down to the Sydney Hutchinson Park in Walker and check out their Spring Festival. For more information, go to Walker Community Outreach on Facebook. Theater Baton Rouge presents Noel Coward's Blythe Spirit from April 23rd to May 2nd. This smash comedy hit of London and Broadway stages is the story of a remarried novelist being haunted by the ghost of his clever and insistent ex-wife. This PG-13 production will be directed by Clay Donaldson and star Victoria Clement, Brandon Guillory, and Lily McGill. Again, that's Blythe Spirit from April 23rd to May 2nd at Theatre Baton Rouge. To purchase tickets, go to theaterbr.org. All right. As you know, April is National Poetry Month, and it's also one of the last months of the Baton Rouge Poet Laureate's one-year term. As you may know, the post was created two years ago by the office of Mayor Sharon Weston Broom in partnership with the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge. In celebration of National Poetry Month, today's guest will talk about what it's been like to serve as Baton Rouge Poet Laureate over this crazy past year and hit us with a few poems. Brittany Marshall, welcome to AC23. Thank you, Vero. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be back. Yes, indeed. I think uh, we had you on like right at the beginning of your, of your term, and um, that may have been right when we were starting to to realize we had a pandemic on our hands. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. And here we are again, um, mm -hmm. calling in for another interview. So, um, for anyone who may not be familiar with the term, what is a poet laureate, and what is a poet laureate's duties? Um. So. It's funny because when I think about this question, I think about um, when you asked me last time, and I was like, you know, it's hard to explain. Um, but I see it really as 
someone who is an advocate for poetry, an ambassador of poetry. Um, and it's really a, a really special and unique position because you, you know, me as poet laureate, I'm someone who's really passionate about poetry. You know, all poet laureates are. And essentially they're trying to make other people passionate about poetry and they're trying to make space for poetry in their community. And so for me, you know, the way I would define, you know, the poet laureate is someone who's just making space, you know, for an art form, for a written form, and also for people to come together, you know, and learn more about poetry um, as a genre. Um, and so their duties really are, you know, to to um, to hold community with people and to use poetry as a way to bring people together and to expose people to poetry and how poetry can function in their in their lives, you know. Um, and so it's something that I also see as, you know, my kind of philosophy about poetry. And so I think the Poet Laureate, um, as a title, has really allowed me to do that. Well, we've had a state Poet Laureate for many, many, many years, and um, very recently we've started this, uh, this position as a, a city Poet Laureate, Baton Rouge mm-hmm. Poet Laureate, but we, uh, you also served as uh, a youth poet laureate for the city some years ago. Mm-hmm. Now we we did see Amanda Gorman, uh, the mm-hmm. national youth poet laureate, read the poem at the inauguration of President Biden. Did you notice a renewed interest in the position after that? You know, it's hard to say because I think I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just getting hung up on the renewed part. But I think having her on such a large stage has definitely, you know, she's gotten a lot of attention. Um, And I think specifically slam and spoken word poetry is getting some attention. Um, And I think it's interesting to see, you know, like how, I think because like, you know, she's kind of become a celebrity, you know, in her own right. And to see, you know, celebrity being tied to poetry is something that is really interesting. And so I think people now, I do think people are interested in how poetry can be this, thing that people talk about, you know, that a lot of people are talking about, and it's not specific to the poetry community. You know, I remember mm-hmm. um, after the inauguration, like the next day I had coworkers, you know, who had watched it and they were like, ah, it made me like think of you, <laughs> you know? Um, and also, you know, like, Hey, I have a buddy who like, doesn't, you know, know anything really about poetry, but you know, they really enjoyed um, her poem, you know? And so I do think, because of the attention that she's garnered, I do think people are more interested in poetry as a genre um, and how people do it, you know, because there's, there's so many ways to do it. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, so you have these uh, these duties as Poet Laureate. Uh, quite often it's performing in public places uh, at, at different functions, uh, creating work for those functions quite often. And uh, I, I know you've done, uh, you, were, you were set to lead some workshops. How did the pandemic affect your ability to carry out a lot of those duties? What adjustments did you have to make? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it has been hard um, because, you know, when I found out that I was doing the position. I was like, oh, man, like, this is going to be great. Like, I know exactly what I wanted to do. And then I tried to do some of those things, and they just they didn't plan out. Um, I would meet, you know, with some organization leaders. Um, you know, like, we'd have some phone conversations. I'd say, okay, you know, like, I'm ready. You know, I have some workshops. I'm ready to go. 
and then just be like, mm, on second thought, we can't do this. And it's been, you know, because of, you know, COVID and the pandemic. And so it's been really hard and kind of, I, I felt defeated. I did at some point, um, but it's also, I've had to be flexible. And so seeing what I'm capable of in terms of like how I can still do my duties, that has been really interesting to see, you know, just how flexible I can be because, you know, being flexible, it can be hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you have like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I know what I'm, you know, how I'm going to do it. Um, and when you have to change that plan, it's like, wait a minute. Um, and I also felt um, like, you know, like I was working, you know, under some time constraints too, because, you know, like I want to do this thing. I only have X amount of time. Um, but I'm really pleased with what I have been able to get done, you know, because of my flexibility. Um, the online workshops have been, you know, they've been really good. Um, and then now I'm doing a poetry community, the young people's poetry community with some high school students. And it honestly makes me think about um, back when I was in high school with Fresh Heat um, and Work Crew. I was like, man, you know, like they don't, they don't really have that anymore. And so in a way I was kind of able to give them, you know, that space, that community, which I think is part of what a poet laureate should be doing. Um, yes, indeed. So it's been hard, but it's also been rewarding. I've learned a lot. I definitely have. So you, you talked about flexibility. And of course, you know, when, when whenever I think of uh, a job description that requires a lot of flexibility is teaching. Now, uh, you're a teacher at Baton Rouge <laughs> High <laughs> and our mm -hmm. Louisiana poet laureate, John Warner Smith, teaches at Southern University. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so many poets around the world are teachers and professors. Why do you think so many poets are also educators? You know, I think part of it might just be coincidence, um, <laughs> you know, especially with myself and John Warner being teachers here in Louisiana. Um, but I also think, you know, it's because there's not really a lot of money in poetry. And so you, you know, you kind of have to do <laughs> something else, um, you know, like to be quite real, you have to do something else. And I think teaching in particular, um, it too, you know, similar to being a poet laureate, it's about, you know, literacy, um, writing, reading, um, and community, you know, yeah. um, in my, with my students, you know, I say, like, I always kind of preface the text with, you know, like, yeah, we're going to do, you know, the technical things, like, I need you to analyze it and all that, but, like, what are we learning about the world? What are we learning about people, you mm. know, in this text? Um, and it's something that's changed, you know, my teaching practices and, you know, my classroom environment overall, and it's also changed, like, how I look at poetry. Like, I'm very kind of particular in the poems that I show to them and kind of particular in some of the poems that I read. Um, so it has also made me, you know, read some poetry that I may have otherwise, like, been like, oh, I don't want to read that, you know, like trying to see like the lesson, the humanity, you know, the tension um, in, you know, in poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think teaching, you know, it's, it's like I said, you know, like a poet laureate is really, it's about community and bringing people together and helping them, you know, read. And I think reading is just such an important skill and reading and thinking about words. Mm. Very good answer. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> this this month, National Poetry Month, you've been posting a poem a day on Instagram. They've been brilliant, by the way. Um, what's that experience been like? Uh, it, there's not much time to revise these poems, I know. 
Uh, I've been mm-hmm. doing it myself here and there. And um, yeah, what 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 is that doing for you right now? So I went into it <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I'm actually trying and actually write a poem every day. And I did it for like a week straight. Um, <laughs> and then like after day seven, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also telling myself, you know, like, Whitney, it's okay if you don't do one every day. Um but honestly, it's been pretty fun because I don't. I feel like I don't get to write poetry as much as I used to, um, like because I'm a teacher, which is like a very demanding job. Um, so it's been fun to really kind of carve out that space. And also because like there isn't much time to revise, it's kind of like, you know, whatever comes out, like that's it. You know, I don't put any pressure on myself for it to be necessarily like perfect, you know, like they might like, you know, they're not published or anything. Um, at least not in a magazine or anywhere. But um, yeah, just telling myself like, really, we're just gonna just gonna put something out, and it's gonna be good, and it's gonna be enough, and it's you know you're you're still doing it. And it's like you said, I remember you and I having a conversation about it, you know. And the goal is really to just have more poems than you had before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I've been I've honestly been thinking about that. I was like, really, we got more than we had before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been looking at it. I was like, Brittany's going to do a, Brittany's going to publish a book. <laughs> I don't know. I hint, mean, hint. Honestly, I, I really, I really want to. And I've been thinking about a book. Um, like, I know what it would be about. Um, but yeah, man, I feel like I don't, I feel like I don't have a lot of time. Um, because when I wrote the chapbook that I, the book that I did as Youth Poet Laureate, um, I wrote most of it actually when I was in um, Argentina. Um, because that summer I had did a summer abroad, mm-hmm. I did a study abroad in Argentina. And I remember having a conversation with Sarah Webb, like, yeah, like I'm going to do, you know, this summer study program. Um, like, you know what? And she was like, well, you can write while you're there. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I did. <laughs> like I had the time and, you know, that's what I was doing when I wasn't doing my um, Spanish classes. And now I'm like, oof, girl, where's that time going to come from? Um, but also, you know, I think as being Fort Lauderdale, I've learned how to make time for it because it doesn't have to be, you know, very formal or stringent, you know. Um, yeah. I can just do a little bit whenever I do have the time. So I I like to write another book i would um but i don't know when <laughs> well you're gonna have to go back to argentina i, I guess i mean, maybe this summer if uh if you can get a substantial summer break yeah honestly i would love to go back to argentina <laughs> i really i felt kind of I, I felt freer i did i felt like i had time to be creative and also you know i'm really kind of interested in how time and like where we are in certain places at certain times. And so I feel like when I was there, I felt freer. I felt more creative. You know, I was in this new space. I was mm. seeing stuff. Um, also, like, kind of flexing my language muscles. So I feel like I had different ways and, like, different words at my disposal. Mm. And, yeah, because um, that's a lot of poetry, too, you know, like finding different ways to say kind of, kind of some of the same things that we all experience and go through. Indeed. So, um, speaking of that, um, do you have a poem you can share with us right now? I do. Um, I have a couple, actually. Awesome. Um, And so they really are all kind of 
centered. So I know there's been some, I won't say debate, but the topic has come up about like black art and, you know, like about black poems and black music, um, you know, just black art in general. And with it not being, you know, filled with trauma, you know, like there's more to blackness, you know, than the trauma that we go through. And it's something I um, stress to my students in my African-American literature class. You know, I say, you know, like African-American history and African-American literature, it's not just about slavery, you yes, know, yes, um, yes. there are other things. And so I think the poems I'm going to share today, they kind of reflect how I've been thinking about that, you know, like, okay, am I writing poems that are traumatic, you know, like are these poems only on trauma or am I also writing poems about, you know, joy and, yes. you know, hope? Um, so the first one that I'll read is actually a poem I wrote um, with my students in African American Lit. We were reading Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And we kind of did a sound poem of sorts. It was a little hard to do it as it typically is because we're virtual. I have some in person. And so we just kind of took some phrases from a passage and we kind of wove them into our own words. All right. Um, Let's hear it. Yeah. So here it is. Lessons from Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Winter moves. Cocoa skin makes the cold eyes of white faces stare in a tightened grimace. Stiffened into a hateful knot, they splintered our ancestral tree and left us with nothing but lynch ropes that hung in the wicked wind of their desired standards. Complex specifications about black hues are enough to tear any tree down. There are other names for black, but I don't want to use their language to describe it. Coal teaches us how to seed springs. Coal is formed from dead plant matter. I think about all the cold, dead lives that didn't matter and how cold they must feel now. I think about all the dead lives that didn't matter and how their spilled blood found a home in my veins and I combust. I combust the way flowers and rocks and hate and sorrow and shame and other pitifully beautiful things do. I combust full of color and air and life and sun and skin and petals and life and life and life and life. In life, cold teaches me that nothing is forever. So eventually, the white winter is disintegrated. The only thing left to do now is sit here in March and watch the snowflakes falling and dying on the pavement. By the end of May, anything the color of white is stoned, and Jesus or justice or karma, or karma restores our equilibrium. An epiphany, we are charming and enchanting and fascinating. Spring, black skin on the yellow edge of a field. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. So um, we're, we're quickly running out of time here. I did want to get this question in because we'll soon be selecting our next poet laureate, Baton Rouge poet laureate. Can you share one piece of advice you might have for your successor or any future laureate? Um, I would say be flexible and also remember why you are in the position you're in. I would say awesome. be flexible and, you know, stay true to why you're in that position. And no matter what circumstances um, come up, there's still a way for you to do what you need to do. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. Can you uh, can you take us home with one more poem, please? 
I can. Um, <laughs> With a shorter so setup this, one, this time. <laughs> so this one is actually one of my um, National Poetry Writing Month poems um, that I posted on my Instagram. Awesome. And it is titled, A World in Which I Wake Up a Butterfly. All right. Today, nothing can defeat me. I am somebody in a new thing, and they are angered by my newfound flight, and they balk at my beauty. Today, none of their guns are good enough. I dance between their recurring metal, and they miss me by a man's last breath. By now, it is so easy to predict their steps. But today, I have wings that break their laws. So medieval they are, primitive in their urges to bring a living thing down. But today, I govern, and my flutter shows no mercy. Today, there is no force or law or body or hatred strong enough to crumble me beneath their feet or their knees. Today, I am outliving them all. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for, I would say, doing such an amazing job as Baton Rouge Poet Laureate. Um, we we really you really took this position to new heights uh, in this past year in the midst of so much uh, uh, so many obstacles and so much turmoil with the with the pandemic um, and I just want to thank you for for embodying um, this this position so well. Thank you for having me and thank you and the Arts Council um, and the Mayor's Office for you know making the position and you know letting it be something that our community has. Awesome. Well, y'all can check out uh, Brittany, all of her posts on uh, Instagram. It's Baton Rouge PL on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Is that correct, Brittany? Yes. Baton yes, Rouge yes. PL. Baton Rouge PL on Instagram. And uh, thank you so much, Brittany. And everybody else, thank y'all for listening. This is Chancellor Zero Skidmore, and I will see y'all at a show. Bye-bye.